Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. This week, we're breaking the first two rules and talking about Fight Club, David Fincher's 1999 thriller starring Edward Norton and Brad Pitt. Well, you forgot to introduce me, but hey, I'm Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about Fight Club. We're going to break that rule, and hopefully in six months, Tyler doesn't come to our door and ask us if we're a veterinarian yet, and then beat us up. <laughs> but yeah, before we get into the movie, uh, let's talk about like our lives. You know, what's been going on this week and stuff, or not just this week, but in general. Yeah, I basically spent the entire week just at work waiting for Friday, which has come now. It is now Saturday, and uh, I've been playing The Last of Us 2 since it came out and I got off work yesterday, and I gotta say, I think people are being a little harsh on it. It's really good. I'll have to give it a try. I'm gonna play it after you. Um, I I played the first one. It's been a while, though, so I'll need a little recap. Uh, But I've heard all the people saying that, like, they don't like they got all the spoilers and all this stuff. I've avoided all the spoilers, uh, as a smart man does, and I'm excited to play it. It looks beautiful. You've been sending me videos of it. It looks really good graphics-wise, so I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, visually, it's probably the most impressive game I've ever played. Like, and the gameplay is is phenomenal. And yeah, I mean, I got it spoiled for me with the leaks when they first came out. I did end up seeing them, but I don't. I'm not the type of person to be like, oh, I'm not buying it now because I don't like the leaks. I'm just, I'm going to play the game and I'm going to judge it for myself. And so far I'm 10 hours in and yeah, I I really like it. I think, you know, the spoilers are, they are the way they are, but the game is good. Really good. Yeah. I think with games, it's different. Like if I saw a spoiler for a movie that does kind of ruin the movie for me. Um, But when you see it for games, it's, I think it's different because you're playing it and you're experiencing it. And even when it does get to that moment, you're still like you've still lived through so much as the character i think it's different and um you've been playing new games but i've been playing old games i just recently i have a super nintendo i plugged it into my tv i got an rca to hdmi adapter for those of you who don't know what that means that means i got an adapter that takes the red yellow and white little connectors and uh adapts it to an hdmi cord which is usually what you use for like a tv or something and I've been playing Donkey Kong Country, and wow, I didn't realize how hard these old games were. Like, in this game especially, um, there's, like, save points in each world. And if you don't reach the save point, like, say there's four levels between a save point. If I'm on the fourth level and I die, I have to start from the, the save point. So all four of those levels gone, I have to redo them all. Oh, it's terrible. It's so terrible. And I get it. Like, back then, you didn't have autosave and all this stuff. But I'm really uh, testing my gamer skill here with <laughs> Donkey Kong Country. So we'll see and how you it don't, goes. You don't realize those flaws in video games, too. Because at the time, you know, like, I mean, it's aged well. Those games have definitely aged well, considering how old they are. And they're still playable and enjoyable. Like, some games come out, like, 10 years ago, and nobody touches them anymore. So, like, the fact that it's still playable and still good... That says a lot about it, but yeah, like those games in particular, when you play games now and you see how the save systems and, and everything work, when you play those, it's like, ah, this sucks. That was like, uh, I've been watching the Game Grumps. I have been playing uh, Sonic Heroes, which is this old Sonic game that I used to play on my Xbox. And uh, it's essentially, you play as 
teams of three in the Sonic characters. You have like Sonic and Knuckles and Tails, and you go through these worlds and you do it as other characters. And as like with my memory now, I'm like, wow, I remember as a kid, I loved those games. They were so fun. And then I'm watching them play these games and I'm like, wow, these are terrible. Like they're so bad. Um, so it's interesting because as an adult, I'm like, I remember this as a kid being so much fun. But now looking back at them critically, I'm like, yikes, like, wow, it's not the greatest. Looking back at things that you really loved in your childhood is like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Literally. It, there's no there's no good case scenario because you remember it so fondly as a kid. That's like me with uh, Sharkboy and Lava Girl. I remember it so fondly and then I look back at the CGI and I'm like, ooh, that's a little bad. That's a little rough. It's like with the um with the newest It movies. Everybody was like, why are they remaking the It movies? This is a classic. We don't need to touch it. Leave it alone. I'm like, have you watched the original It movies? Mm-hmm. They're terrible. Like, the only thing that holds them together is Tim Curry's performance. The rest of it is awful. So anybody who says that that movie shouldn't have been remade, I disagree. And that's the case with a lot of things. It's like some things don't age well and some things just need to be revisited. Yeah, exactly. And there are other things, too, I think that um don't age well but don't need to be remade and don't need to be revisited like i see that happen a lot with uh classic cartoon characters or things like that where for example the scooby-doo movie (laughs) um those those are classics and they don't need to be revisited they're okay as they are um and then you get that new scooby-doo movie and you're like yikes i don't even as such a hard scooby-doo fan i don't even want to talk about that movie it makes me very upset it makes you verbal it makes you uh mind barf yeah if, to anybody who follows us on instagram i gave that movie a scathing review of two out of five stars yikes that's like um everyone's review for artemis fowl i haven't seen it it's got a one out of five i really just want to watch it i want to give it a shot it's on disney plus you know yeah and then that's one of those movies where it's like i i love bad movies and i love watching bad movies but, like, I hate bad movies when they're just boring. Oh, yeah. And that's what I'm hearing a lot of people say about Artemis Fowl. It's like, it's not like so bad it's good. It's like upsetting to see the potential of a franchise be squandered like this, which is just sad because Artemis Fowl is an interesting book series with, I don't, I don't know the books. I've never read them. But I know that the characters are a lot more complex in that book series than what the Disney movie ended up touching on. And it's, yeah, it's upsetting that we're never, ever going to get to see what that franchise could have been because this just did so terrible that they're not going to make another. Yeah, I never read the books or anything like that, so I have no hopes or expectations. So maybe I'll just go into it, and I'll be like the one person in the world who's like, I don't know about you guys, but I thought this was a great movie. <laughs> I, I hope not, because then I, th- I will question every single movie decision I've ever made. I heard Colin Farrell recorded all of his scenes for that movie in three days. Three days? Three. How much? How often is he in the movie? I think he's primarily in the first act of the movie, but like that's still like a quarter of the movie that was filmed in three days. That's nuts. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'll need to check it out. Yeah, I want to – maybe we can do what we did with Cats and just talk about a really bad movie again soon. Uh, if we do that, I don't want to do it on Artemis Fowl. I want to do it on like an actual bad movie that is entertaining at least. It's <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. Let's just bring it up right now. Because everybody's been talking about it. Artemis Fowl is terrible. We're probably not going to talk about it. I haven't seen it, but you can probably expect to just watch a better movie and enjoy your time elsewhere. 
Yeah, don't don't fall into the ad. I've actually been when I go on like my PlayStation and check out like Disney Plus, it's the thing that Disney Plus is advertising like front and center. I'm like, "Why are you advertising this awful movie?" Like I get yeah, it. It just came out, but why? They're really trying with it. It was supposed to go to theaters, but with everything that happened, it got dumped on the Disney Plus and clearly that was its best bet because I couldn't imagine seeing that in theaters with the reaction or reception it's getting. Oh, it would have such a box office flop that I feel so bad. And it cost $125 million. And I've looked at uh, clips from that movie and it looks terrible. So here we are talking about Artemis Fowl prior to talking about uh, Fight Club. But I I also wanted to bring up the uh, tragic passing of Sir Ian Holm, who passed away, I think it was yesterday. And he was Bilbo from the Lord of the Rings movies, and he was also Ash from the Alien movie, the the android that's on the uh, spaceship with them. And he's in a lot of other stuff, but he's a phenomenal actor, and I was I was really sad to hear hear about that. Yeah, I remember watching like Lord of the Rings as a kid and loving Bilbo, and then like as a teenager, I saw him in. Well, you didn't. You just, he's not in the Hobbit, but it's like the same kind of character, and so. Um, I even read the books too. I didn't read all the Lord of the Rings books, but I did read all of the Hobbit books and I loved that series dearly. And so it's sad to see him go. And when Gandalf goes, I shall go with him. I, yeah, man, that's going to be a sad day. That is going to be a sad day when we lose Sir Ian McKellen. Um, I was watching back when I was doing theater stuff for school I've seen he he's done a couple like Hamlet and King Lear. I think he's known for King Lear, um, but he is an amazing like Shakespeare actor. So I really want to look at more of his Shakespeare stuff as well because he does a really good job. He's just got the voice for it too. He's mm. mm-hmm. and Ian Ian Holm as well was a big um, Shakespeare actor. So maybe you could check that out if you're into that. Um, yeah, I I know he's I know he's done a lot of that. Um, as far. Another thing I want to tell you that happened to me this week, this actually happened to me today. Um, so I've been recording some like kids stuff for my mom's church. It's called Groundswell. And so I record the kids stuff that we put on on the Sunday service. We do like a live stream kind of. Um, and so I was recording stuff today because it's Father's Day tomorrow, which it'll technically be Father's Day when this comes out. Um but so as a jokey little thing, we did a stuff that fathers do. And so I was in like some khaki shorts and I took a shirt and like cut the sleeves off of it. And I had this visor on and some like dad glasses and white socks that went up to like my knees. Um, and I was outside recording a bunch of dumb stuff for that. And one of the things I did was I got on our ride on lawnmower and I pretended like that I couldn't start it. Took a couple tries. And my sister is standing beside the lawnmower filming this on a camera. And as I'm trying to start it, once I start it up, a mouse runs out from underneath the lawnmower. I don't know if he was in the exhaust pipe or in the lawnmower or where he was. He bolts out from underneath the lawnmower and runs under my sister's car. My sister goes (laughs) screaming, running away. I don't know what happened. Um, But I was (laughs) watching back the video because I had to like send the clips to my dad to edit. And it's literally just me sitting on this lawnmower. Like, and the lawnmower's like, gig, 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 gig. And I'm like, come on, Betsy. Gig, 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 gig. And it's just <laughs> trying to start up. And then 
you just see like this little flash of brown shoot out of the back of it. And my sister's like, ah, and like runs away screaming. Oh, it was so funny. And, uh, but it was just really funny out being outside recording all this funny, like father's day stuff. Like I did a couple bits where I was like looking in a car and I would look at the camera. I'd be like, a mechanic. I can fix that. And like, so like funny stuff like that, that dads always say. And like, I did a lot of like standing up and going, I like stuff like that. So that absolute fun. dad mood, such a dad mood. I'm still wearing the sleeveless shirt that I cut up because I'm sweating so much. It's so hot in my room. <laughs> I'm still wearing what I wear almost every time we're recording a podcast, which is just my pajamas. Dude. now that we're at home all the time, I wear some like crazy outfits. Like I told you this, I didn't tell any, I didn't tell anyone else this. Um, but during the cats episode, I was completely shirtless because it was so hot in my room. And so for the entirety of cats, I'm just yelling about cats shirtless in my room. We're talking about like Judy Dench cat and you're just like half naked. Like I'm like genital cats as I'm naked in my room, dancing around. I'm not completely naked. I made it sound like I'm completely naked, but no, I'm just wasn't wearing a shirt because it was hot. <laughs> but yeah, on that note. Perfect segue into our movie. Oh, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Well, but. it is. No shirts, no shoes, baby. Fight Club. Uh, <laughs> good point. Uh, but yeah, nope. let's let's talk about Fight Club now. Yeah, so the first thing that I feel it's important that we address is neither of us have seen Fight Club until this week, which is crazy to say aloud. I've been told I need to watch it for a long time now. It's my dad's, um, one of his top five favorite movies of all time. And I think that was what caused me to just be like, okay, I need to watch it. And Edward Norton and Brad Pitt are in it. So I was, I was in, but yeah, I've, I took, I've taken way too long to watch this movie, but I have finally seen it and I loved it. And that's why we're doing it as on this week's uh, episode. What did you think about it? I love the movie as well. I watched it last night. Uh, I kid you not. When you started saying that, I thought you were going to say both of us have never watched fight club. And just stop there. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, um, we're talking about the trailer here for Fight Club. We have not seen the movie. Exactly. We've only seen watch mojo clips of Fight Club. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the movie, too. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it was I'm not going to lie. I kind of got confused at the beginning. Um, but as it continued on, it really like the story was really cohesive and I liked it a lot. And it's just a. I think it's a fun watch, even if you're just watching it for the fighting and that stuff in it, because it's all really good fighting. It feels very real. Um, there's a lot of like bloody noses and all that stuff in this movie, um, and I think they did a really good job. Like the makeup artist did a really good job with that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a really good movie. I liked it a lot. And with this movie, this is like. It's widely argued that I, I think at least I'd assume that it's widely argued that this is like sort of like a modern classic. It's it's people love it. And for I think the reason that I took so long to get around to watching this movie is when I was younger, you know, being somebody who was never typically into fighting uh, when I was younger, I, I probably just shrugged it off as like a movie about an actual fight club, which it is. But, you know, it's a lot more than that. Yeah. And as I started to get into movies and get into film the way I am in now. I noticed that it was directed by David Fincher and that was when I was like, okay, someday I'm going to have to watch this because David Fincher has done classics like seven uh, Zodiac and social network. He's done a lot of really good movies. 
And when I seen that he directed this, I was like, okay, so clearly there's more going on and I, I'm looking on the surface, so I need to check this out. And I'm glad I did. I think the only other movie I've seen by him is Seven. I don't think I've seen any other movie by him. Really? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know all of his movies. I'll have to check that out. Um, have, you, have you seen Gone Girl? No, I haven't seen Gone Girl. That's a really good one. I'll, I'll have to watch that one. And I'll, I'll add it to the list. I have a list of movies that I'm probably eventually going to watch, maybe. Who knows? Um, David Fincher Marathon. Oh, that would be intense. Um, I'd put Seven and Fight Club back to back. I love Seven. Yeah, a little double feature. Yeah, Seven's incredible. Really good. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some of the actors. Since we're talking about Seven, we got our main actor. Who, well, like, I guess he's our main actor. Not really. No, I guess he's like our side character. Mm-hmm. Um, of Brad Pitt, who plays Tyler Durden. Um, we've also got Edward Norton, uh, whose character isn't is doesn't actually have a name. I didn't know he actually had a name. He's never like no one ever calls him by a name. Um, people say that his name's Jack. Uh, I didn't know that. I had no clue. Uh, but I'm going to call him Edward Norton pretty much whenever I talk about him, just so we aren't confused. Yeah, I'll probably refer to him as Edward Norton or the narrator, but I think I think his name being Jack stems from the book. Yeah. Which which I haven't read, but yeah, I think that's where that comes from, is I think maybe at some point in the book he's his name is said to be Jack or he refers to him. I don't I don't know, but I don't remember the movie ever saying his name's Jack, so yeah, he's just going to be referred to as Edward Norton or the narrator. Yeah, the movie doesn't really... No one calls him Jack or anything like that, but there's a... Um, there's the moment when he's in the house with Tyler and Tyler's biking around and he's looking through these like poems or something where this guy has essentially said, I am Jack's colon and then talks about what it's like to be Jack's colon. Um, and then he uses that throughout the movie to describe the way how he feels and things like that. Um, but yeah, we also have Helena Bottom Carter who plays Marla. Uh, we've got Meatloaf, who was a complete surprise to me. I didn't know he was in this movie, and I saw him in the opening credits. By the way, I really like opening credits in movies sometimes. I think these opening credits were done really well. And it's very interesting because I didn't think this movie would have opening credits. But then again, now that I think about it, Seven has opening credits. So that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, we got Meatloaf, who plays a guy named Bob. And we also have Jared Leto, who I didn't realize was... I didn't know who his character was until after the movie. I saw him in the opening credits, but I was like, where was he in that movie? Um, but he's Angel Face Boy. I don't think he has a name. I think you should call him I, Angel yeah. Face. I think he's billed highly because he's Jared Leto, but I remember looking at my girlfriend when the movie finished, and I was just like, where was Jared Leto in that? And she was just like, he's got like three scenes. And I was like, okay. So I didn't miss much. He's he's not prominently in it, but yeah, Jared Leto is in this movie. Well, and for half of it, his face is like malformed because Edward Norton's character beats the crap out of him, like beats the yeah. living crap out of him. Um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty uh, star-studded cast, and I think they do a really good job. Like it's there's some top-tier acting here, especially from I think Brad Pitt kind of holds this movie down. Oh yeah, and Edward Norton does a really good job too. I like Edward Norton a lot. Um, I also like Brad Pitt a lot, but I definitely think Brad Pitt holds down this movie just with his character and the way that he just doesn't care and has this super like nonchalant, will not conform, crazy kind of personality with him that I want to talk about later once we kind of get into the movie a little more. 
Um, same with Edward Norton. He does a really good job at playing this broken, beaten kind of dude, insomniac guy who uh, is like getting strung along by Tyler, essentially. So I think they do a really good job. Yeah, Edward Norton is phenomenal here, but Brad Pitt is definitely stealing the show because he just has so much to work with. Like, he's Brad Pitt and he's always incredible, but then you put him in the role of like this charismatic soap salesman who does whatever he wants and lives however he wants and has this weird idea of toxic masculinity and everything, and it's it's hilarious. And he just he has so much to work with. Um, I also wanted to say that uh, so Meatloaf in this movie is. Uh, his character's name is Bob, and Bob had testicular cancer, and when they gave him hormones and stuff, he grew man boobs. And just some weird little fun facts that I found out about that was that he wore a fat suit uh, that was filled with bird seed to resemble, like, the sagging flesh. Um, and they had two fat suits. They had one with nipples and one without because they didn't know if the directors would let them or the producers would let them have the nipples right. or not. Um, I don't know which one they went with, uh, but, uh, an interesting note is that one of the, one of the rules of fight club is no shoes, no shirts. And he's the only one who breaks this rule by keeping a shirt on. Cause they had to do that. Cause you can't have the like fake makeup prosthetic stuff hanging out. Cause then it wouldn't look real. Right. Um, he's the only one who breaks this rule, which is, I find interesting. I think it's. I think it's fine in the context of the movie because we see um, Edward Norton's character show a lot of sympathy towards Bob because uh, he knows him. And so I think it was probably Edward Norton's character who was like, you can keep the shirt on. Uh, but another thing I figured, found out was that after the movie was done, Meatloaf gave Edward Norton a signed photo of like when his character is like they're hugging in the support groups yeah and it was signed and said with hugs love meat <laughs> and i love the fact that he his he signed it with love meat <laughs> like is that is that a thing he does exclusively for edward norton or does he sign his autographs love meat i hope he does it all the time i really do cuz i'd love that i want to get now i want to get a signed photo from meatloaf that says love meat Listen, if you if your name, or your alias for your for your music career is Meatloaf, you better lean into the fact that the first word of that is meat. <laughs> you better. If not, I'll be severely upset, and I will never come see you perform live. Yeah. But let's let's uh, let's talk about what we think this movie is saying because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of interesting things going on in this movie and there's a lot of deeper meaning context and i think a lot of people miss that kind of stuff just because they get caught up on the fight club aspect of fight club which makes sense the movie movie is called fight club before i watched this movie i literally thought it was only about a fight club i didn't see all these deeper meanings and i didn't think that was coming um but yeah this movie has a lot deeper meaning than just the fighting yeah, this movie is saying a lot, and it's it's coming out a lot of different angles to say what it's trying to say, and it makes me feel silly that for so long I thought this movie was about just fighting. Yeah, I I feel bad that I haven't watched this masterpiece until now and seen the deeper meaning within it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this movie, just kind of as a recap, if you haven't seen it in a while or if you haven't seen it at all and you're watching this episode, don't know why you're doing that, but... <laughs> um. 
This movie follows Edward Norton's character as he is having this crappy life. He's an insomniac. He can't sleep. And he's working in a job. And he is essentially controlled by commercialism. And that's kind of one of the big things about this movie that it focuses on. Um, Edward Norton's character is stuck in this life where he works for this car company. And he goes out into the field and sees these um, car crashes and car accidents with these cars. And he rates them. And if it gets above a certain amount of points, then they recall the car. And if it doesn't, then they don't. Um, And it kind of, that plays on the idea of commercialism because all these cars have these accidents and you'd expect these companies to obviously recall it if something bad happens. But if it doesn't reach a high enough standard of bad, they don't recall it because that means uh, a slow on production and less people will buy the car, that kind of thing. We also see him... Um, constantly buying Ikea, Ikea furniture. He fills his apartment with Ikea furniture um, with these weird tacky things like uh, these yin-yang coffee tables, which, by the way, I would love to own. I think that's really cool. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I agree. And not even for like the aspect of the movie. It's kind of tacky, but it's also just, I don't know, I think it's cool. Um, it's a little bit cool. But we see him do that, and he's constantly on these flights, and he talks about single-serve everything because he's constantly flying around the world, so he's got single-serve coffee with single-serve cream and single-serve sugar and these portable shampoo bottles and all this stuff. It's just one and done, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so we see— just disposable. Yeah, disposable. And we, so we, we see his character struggling with that constantly until he meets Tyler. Yeah, he's a bored dude who buys all these consumer goods to just sort of distract him for this lack of human interaction that he has. And, you know, he's 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 an insomniac, like you said. And he goes to these support groups to try and fill that void of the lack of human interaction he has. So he fakes human interaction with people who are who are suffering and pretends that he's part of that so he can get some sort of semblance of connection with people. And he buys mass amounts of stuff from, from stores and clothing catalogs and, like you said, Ikea and stuff. And this is all just to sort of fill this void, I think, for him. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's a really interesting character who comes into his life, other than Tyler, is Marla. Um, And Marla is also going to these support groups and faking it just like he is. But he ends up calling her out, even though he is also faking it. And so they kind of grow this connection of, okay, we're kind of in it for the same thing. Um, and become friends because of it, and a little more than friends, ooh. Um, but <laughs> uh, it's interesting to see, because when I watched this, I saw his character start to get mad at her, and I was like, dude, you're doing the same thing. But it makes sense the way he thinks of it, because he sees it as all these people feel bad for him, and that's where he gets his connection. And he knows that all these people will feel bad for him, even though he is the only one faking it. And when another faker joins, he can't feel that same kind of connection because he feels himself being called out. Um, He sees himself in her, and he needs her to leave so that he can experience this again uh, in a way that only he can. But I feel like even if she left, he still would have been stuck with, oh, crap, I'm faking it, you know? I think it's just kind of this mirror turned on to him. Yeah, I feel like eventually that would have hit him regardless, just that realization that is just rushed with her her presence. But yeah, he starts, they come to an agreement to 
go to different meetings, different support groups on different days so that they don't have to see each other. And I don't, does this work for him or does his insomnia comes back, doesn't it? Uh, no. It What kind of happens is that this happens. They decide to go to different weeks and then he essentially meets Tyler. Like we don't get to see him go to these other weeks without her. Um, right. it kind of, that's just kind of how the movie flows and Tyler changes his life. Essentially. Tyler is this, uh, guy he meets on an airplane who sells soap, travels the world, sells soap and isn't held down by these material possessions that, uh, Edward's character is. And so as Edward meets Tyler on an airplane gets his business card, he goes home and his house is his apartment blew up essentially it's exploded it's on fire all of his material possessions are on the sidewalk burnt to a crisp and he has nothing left to do and no one to call so he calls tyler well he first he first he calls marla but then hangs up and then he calls tyler uh and him and tyler go out and have a drink and as they're leaving the bar he asks edward asks if he can stay with Tyler because Tyler kind of knows this is coming he's like okay man come on just ask me just do it just ask me if Mm -hmm. you can stay like we just had three pints of beer you didn't just do this because you had nowhere to go uh, and just wanted a drink like you did this because you need a place to stay and so he asks him if he needs a place to stay he says yes and before they go back to the house uh, Tyler asks um, Edward's character to hit him and interesting fact, the first punch that Edward throws, he was actually supposed to throw it at um, Brad Pitt's shoulder. Uh, mm. But the director was like, hit him in the ear. Like, really? just hit him in the ear. And Edward Norton did it. And that's and Brad Pitt's reaction is genuine. He's like, ow, like, why'd you hit me in the ear? Like, he was supposed to hit him in the uh, shoulder. Yeah. So it's a genuine reaction, which I thought was very cool. Um, cause it feels very genuine. Like that would hurt a lot to get punched in the ear. I mean, I, I luckily, actually that's a lie. I was going to say I've never been punched, but I have been punched. Um, not in the ear though. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Just the fact that the director wanted this genuine reaction out of him. So he's like, punch him in the ear, do it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what starts this fight club kind of thing where to get this, anger that he has against the world and to feel his connection again they essentially start a fight club where they beat each other up like to a Mm -hmm. pulp sort of take it it's like this sort of form of like taking out their angers on society and and all this you know patriarchal bullshit that tyler durden goes on about uh really quickly i have been hit in the ear like pretty hard too like one time i got smoked in the ear yeah, it hurts. Brad Pitt's reaction is pretty much exactly how anybody who gets smoked in the ear would would react. But yeah, so they fight outside, and then um, Tyler takes Edward's character back to his house, which is this super rundown place, which is kind of weird. And this is this is where we kind of get these weird vibes from different characters, and we kind of get confused about what's going on. But to make everything a little simpler. Since most people who are listening to this have watched this, they know that if you haven't seen this, this is your spoiler warning, um, at the end of the movie, Edward realizes that Tyler's not real. He does not exist. He's a figment of his imagination. um, And he's this other version of himself that is not tied down by worldly possessions or anything like that, like he is. 
Yeah, and and Tyler is active at nighttime in leaning into the whole insomnia thing. It's Edward Norton's character, like the narrator, during daytime, and then at nighttime he sort of flips into this Tyler Durden character where he's this charismatic, like crazy ideas about society, uh, Fight Club dude creator thing, <laughs> and and dude creator man dude dude yeah, but you start to catch hints at that in certain scenes where so essentially Tyler Durden meets Marla like Tyler Durden as a character meets Marla and starts uh sleeping with her since Edward Norton's character has a crush on her but he acts like he doesn't care like a little boy which is a segue into what you want to talk to about some of his boyish tendencies um yeah you start to see some of these hints where Marla comes into the kitchen the next morning after sleeping with Tyler and Edward Norton's character is there eating and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And she gets all angry and she's like, she's like swears at him and then she leaves. And it, it's kind of confusing because you're like, why is she responding like that? But looking back, you can sort of start to put the pieces together. There's a lot of moments like this in the movie where you can you can tell that Tyler's not real and you can only really see it upon a rewatch or once you know. But yeah, there's a lot of indications throughout the entire movie. Yeah, and we uh, we see it as well. Like, if you catch these glimpses, um, throughout the movie, there's these little blips where we see this figure for, like, a millisecond. Um, and we don't know who he is, but it's Tyler. He's blinking in. Um, he, it's almost as if his subconscious persona is trying to break through until he finally breaks through. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also hinted at as well when we see... Uh, Edward Norton's character talking about one of the jobs, the odd jobs that Tyler does, which is um, he works in the movie theaters switching over film reels for movies. And he will, just for the fun of it, like put in a picture of a dude's dick or like some kind of little porn snippet um, just for the fun of it. Just to to mess with like the, the parents and the families in the crowd watching a movie. And sort of just make them be like, did we just see that? And then everybody's uneasy and just to, yeah, just to mess with people. Yeah, and it, it's kind of this play on this overarching theme that Tyler's blinking in and out um, where it's like everything seems to be going fine. And then oh, was that just a weird shadowy figure we saw blink into the movie? Um, it's very interesting and I like it a lot. I like the stylized, the stylized choice of having it as one of Tyler's jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Tyler is this very interesting dude, uh, and we'll segue into the childish aspect you're talking about. One thing I want to talk about is the childish tendencies of Tyler and why he's so alluring and why his character somehow recruits all these people. Um, so Tyler as a character is this guy who is not held down by possessions, who is carefree, who does not fear death because he is ready for it at any time because he has nothing holding him back. Um, and he is trying to kind of take over Edward Norton as a his character. He wants full control, and he doesn't have that because of Marla. Marla is the one thing that uh, Edward Norton's character still cares about. She's the one person who he still cares about. And that's why at the end of the movie, um, we see Tyler trying to get rid of her, essentially. Trying to take her out of the picture and tie up loose ends so that he can finally have that full control because Edward Norton cares about nothing anymore. 
Um, and so his character is so alluring to all these other men who join the Fight Club and then eventually join his army, Project Mayhem, um, because all of these men are tied down by their possessions, the weight of the world, and what it has promised them, which is that they'll be millionaires or superstars or have loads of money and be in movies and things like that. Have a hot wife and drive a nice car and everything's perfect. Exactly, but a lot of these men have these awful things, like um, Bob, for example, has testicular cancer, and when they injected him with hormones, he got man boobs, and like, so he's got this awful thing going on, and the allure of here's this guy who has no care in the world, who is carefree and is living his life. And that's what Bob wants, is to be able to live his life again. So it totally makes sense because all these men are going back to their boyish ways where they aren't tied down by anything, where mm -hmm. they can senselessly beat each other to a pulp and it doesn't matter anymore, you know? Yeah, and I feel like Tyler, to all these people represents this perfect image of what they could be and what they should be and with everything that has gone wrong in their lives they feel like the only way to reclaim the masculinity that's been taken from them is to get in a room and beat the shit out of each other yeah it's this toxic masculinity that is so um enticing to these men because it's essentially them taking back who they are when in reality they're throwing their lives away yeah. Um, and yes, these possessions are like weighting them down, but that one thing that's weighting them down is keeping them human and keeping them from like being these crazy people that Tyler is who doesn't care about his life. He literally gets into a car accident, um, even though it's technically Edward Norton's character. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention about this, like how at the end of the movie we see uh, that we learn that Tyler's not real is the interesting moments we get after that where we see all these flashbacks to these uh, scenes we've already saw and it's instead of Tyler, it's now Edward Norton's character. Um, I think that's a really cool thing because for a lot of the movie, we thought that we're watching Tyler do this stuff and that Edward Norton's character is like, what what's going on? Until we realize that it's actually the reason why everyone's acting so weird towards him and all this stuff is because it's him the entire time. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool because the narration also ties into it where a lot of this movie is narration and we get a lot of, like I would say over half this movie could probably be narration. Um, and it's interesting because we can ask ourselves as the audience, is he talking to us mm -hmm. or is he talking to himself? Is there... Um, another person does he think there's another person there that he's talking to or is he talk trying to explain this to the audience you know yeah so it's this super interesting way of Tyler kind of shifting the viewpoint of the movie turning it all on its head at the very end and having us as the audience be like what does that mean like what are the implications of all that for the rest of the stuff that we've just watched yeah and it's crazy because you spend so much time in Edward Norton's character's head, yet ultimately at the ending is is revealed that you weren't even really in his head, the, uh, like the, at least the right headspace or a reliable narrator's headspace for the entire movie. So you you spend 50% of narration following this dude's uh, mindset only to find out that his mindset isn't really even what we thought it is the whole movie. Yeah, and 
Um, I think a really interesting uh, like correlation I just made was I just finished playing Bioshock Infinite, where this is spoilers for the end of Bioshock Infinite, um, but it's been out for a while, so uh, is that at the end of the game you realize that you are actually the villain, um, and it's like this timeline where you did something else or whatever, and it's like it flips the entire game on its head at the very end. I literally out loud was like, oh, am I the bad guy? Like, <laughs> um, so I love, I love it when movies do that and they make you question what just happened. Mm-hmm. Like how much of that movie is actually reliable and it makes you understand all the things you were confused about. It's almost as if it, at the very end, it's this unwrapped present. You're like, what is going on? And then it, bow on top and ready to go and you're like wow okay this makes so much more sense now Mm -hmm. i think with the narration as well just one more thing i want to talk about um is that uh i really like the way the narration is used in this movie sometimes it can be confusing and a lot of times it um it just helps to describe what's going on and from uh edward's character's perspective uh but one thing i really like is the use of like these poems uh, that I talked about earlier with the name Jack and how it's like, I am Jack's bowel. I, oh, it yeah, describes, yeah. yeah, it describes Edward Norton's character a couple times in that way where something's going on. He's like, I am Jack's unbridled rage or things like that. I think it's a very interesting way to tell us how he's feeling mm-hmm. and what's going on in his head. Um, as he's being strung along, what we believe he's being strung along, strung along by Tyler, when in reality, it's just him, the whole time. Yeah, and as the movie goes on, Tyler's thought process and his thing that he's vying for becomes more and more radical, and he goes from this they're, they're, the Fight Club thing where they're just beating each other up in little like Fight Clubs that start popping up all around, and everybody starts sort of doing these Fight Clubs like. I don't know how, how far the reach is, but I know that they mentioned that it starts spreading. And um, Tyler's sort of like this poster boy for, yeah, like reclaiming your masculinity. And as the movie goes on, he gets more and more crazy, and he's got all these crazy ideas about um, rebellion. And he wants... His end goal is to destroy all the financial incorporations in the city so that everybody's debt is reset, right? Uh, I think it's along the lines of um, what he's trying to do to Edward Norton's character, where it's like he's trying to destroy these buildings and uh, all this stuff so that people aren't weighted down by capitalism and their material possessions so that they can be free like him. Right. And to be able to live their lives without fear and not fearing death because they have nothing holding them back anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and that's why all the buildings that get destroyed are uh, the like all the people who work in them are part of the fight club and are part of Project Mayhem. And so when those buildings blow up, no one's in them. They're empty. He's not killing anyone. Yeah. Um, another thing I re- just realized, actually, that I thought was really interesting um, that I didn't realize before was the idea that Tyler always tells like no one knows what Tyler looks like. A lot of people say, like, he gets facial reconstruction surgery and, like, uh, I've never seen the dude, but I've heard that he killed these people or whatever. Um, And Tyler tells Edward all the time to don't mention him. Like, don't mention who I am. Get rid of her. Don't mention who I am. Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
uh and i didn't realize that until now that it's because he doesn't exist like um he doesn't want edward to mention him so that edward doesn't sound like this crazy dude you know yeah because if edward starts talking about tyler they're gonna be like aren't you tyler yeah exactly and And that happens a lot in the movie where um there's points once edward starts to catch on he's like who was i was here what what?" like he's trying to figure out piecing things together then when he realizes he's tyler he starts being like i'm tyler like and you gotta do this for me you gotta do that for me not really but like at the very end Um, yeah and and what starts as this fight club thing becomes something that is i think it's project mayhem is what it's called yes and uh that is essentially this big group of people who started in the fight club now essentially serving Tyler for like yeah. this rebellion that he's building. And uh, yeah, there's this scene where Edward Norton's character, it all clicks and everything that what's been going on with him and Tyler. And he's told all these guys as Tyler to not trust him when he starts talking like his, his self, like the narrator. Yeah. Tyler is essentially thought of this already and his told everyone like if i start going crazy like hold me down pin me down like he even goes to the cops to try to arrest himself and the cops are in on it yeah and they, they try and like hold him down and essentially reset him i've noticed that as well like um they look for the rubber band like when they have him pinned down it looks like they're gonna do the same thing that they were gonna do to the police commissioner where they were going to cut off his balls, but really they just like slice a rubber band to make him think that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think from what I got from that scene was that they were going to essentially do that to him. They're like, where's the rubber band? They're looking for it because Tyler has told them to do that. If that happens to reset him to Tyler, essentially switch him over to Tyler. Right. Um, it doesn't end up happening, but it kind of culminates in this final scene um, that I want to get to now where uh, we see Edward Norton trying to like get rid of the bombs that have been placed all over these buildings and like save everything. He obviously can't, um, but he starts to gain control a little bit where he goes to defuse one van and he's like, Tyler's like, you don't know how to defuse that. But Edward Norton's like, oh, everything you know, I must know. And so he does defuse one of the bombs uh, and then he gets like beat around by Tyler and all this stuff. And um, it culminates to him in this apartment building uh, in a chair with Tyler holding a gun to him mm-hmm. and saying like, this is happening. You can't stop it now. Uh, this is going down. What I think is really interesting about that is you see Tyler and uh, Edward Norton's character like beating the shit out of each other. Obviously, it's, you know, Edward Norton's character beating the shit out of himself. But you see them fighting, and Tyler, like, kicks him down a set of stairs, and he uh, loses consciousness. And the next time you see him, he's on a totally different floor. That So it it begs the question of what happened between where we saw Edward Norton's character get knocked out and end up on that top floor. And I just find, I find that really interesting to think about what happened in that brief period where Tyler could have been in control before we see Edward Norton's character wake back up. Yeah, I definitely think it's once he essentially passes out, Tyler takes over and takes him there. Um, but it could also be that Tyler had this all planned and some some of the thugs essentially took him there. But um, we get this really cool final scene where it's a standoff between Edward Norton and Tyler. And 
um, Edward's trying his best to reason with Tyler, to get him to stop, to let go of Marla, let her leave, um, and don't involve her in this. And Tyler's not budging. But finally, Edward realizes that he is actually the one in control. Tyler is just in his mind. So mm -hmm. he has to essentially make himself realize that Tyler is no more. And the way he does that is by shooting himself in the face, essentially. He puts this gun in his mouth and shoots himself through the cheek, um, missing his brain and all that stuff. He essentially shoots himself through the cheek. But that makes that allows him to visualize Tyler being shot in the head and dying and Tyler being gone, and he is now in control. Mm -hmm. um, the the shock of the gun going off, and I think just it, with it firing a gun into your mouth, it allowed his brain to tell himself, like, that just kills you. And you, you see it visualized, Tyler has a bullet through the back of his head, and you brought it up as a flaw, but I think it's actually just playing more into the narrative of of that. Tyler has a bullet through the back of his head, despite Edward Norton's character very clearly aiming the gun through his cheek. And... Uh, yeah, I think it's just the fact that his brain in that moment al allowed him to tell himself that he just killed Tyler, and in that moment, he dies. Yeah, Tyler fades away. Um, I didn't bring it up as a... I, w I wouldn't say I brought it up as a flaw, more as I was confused. You right. you uh, explained it better to me, where it's like, he doesn't actually do it. That makes more sense. I was confused, because I literally thought he shot himself in the face. Like, right, okay. Um, I was like, how did he just survive that? Yeah. Um, but yes, that makes more sense. <laughs> Um, cause then he shoots himself and he, the guys come up the stairs and they're like, whoa, man, are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. And he's got I, like a bullet through his cheek. I love how unintentionally funny. I mean, it's probably intentional, but it's, it's hilarious. He's just, it's like, everything is so intense and it's full thriller and the stakes are so wild. And then, yeah, he's talking like a cigarette smoker in those commercials. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, Edward pretty much takes over, and I think it's I think it's really cool because I think a lot of this movie, and you you mentioned as well that I didn't notice this, but at the end of the movie when they're there, because the buildings still end up blowing up, and they're standing there, him and Marla, and you see one little flash of Tyler. I didn't notice that, um, which kind of plays into that whole thing of ooh, did you see that? Ooh, um, yeah. But and this ending is incredible I, like i think the ending is where like i i would love the whole movie but that final scene is where i was like yeah okay i like really really liked that like i love that you know yeah. and i think it's just the song i love where's my mind by the pixies it's a phenomenal song but i'm gonna backtrack a bit they bring uh project mayhem's members bring marla up and edward norton is now in control so he just is like leave everything's fine i'm good leave her with me and she's all not talking to him at first until she sees that he shot himself in the face and she's like, Oh my God, are you okay? And they're talking and everything. And then all the buildings start blowing up just one by one. The whole skyline just starts blowing up and she looks at him all shocked. And Edward Norton's character looks over at her and he says, you met me at a very strange time in my life. And then that song kicks in in full force and it goes back behind them and you see the skyline finished blowing up before, yeah, you get one final flash, sort of like the projector reel that we were mentioning earlier, where you see Tyler just pop up one quick last time in sort of like a slideshow format, and then the movie ends. And yeah, that that's a phenomenal ending. It is. It's really powerful and impactful. Um, I think it shows the not only like 
the physical damage that Tyler had caused to him, literally, because he'd been beating himself up, but also like the mental damage and what he had to go through to finally gain control again. And I think it, I think it really is very um, realistic. I, I don't know. I can't say from experience, um, but I think it's probably a very realistic thing where, regardless of if you get through something that traumatic or you have mental problems like that it's still in the back of your mind it's still there you can never fully recover from it yeah but him gaining control is like this huge step for him and it's this amazing moment of like he's accepted what he has done and accepted what has happened and now he has to live with that but he's okay with living with that he's Mm -hmm. okay with now being held down by marla and not wanting to be this carefree kind of person and i think also the thing that helps him beat uh brad pitt's character is marla because once he sees her in danger he is even more grounded to the world by her yeah um and that gives him the little bit of power that he needs to finally beat tyler yeah um but yeah i love this movie very good that is fight club that is where it it wraps up yeah, I can I can see why this movie is first off one of my dad's favorite movies ever, but also why it's regarded as a modern classic is because so many of the things that it's doing at the time I feel like may have not been done nearly to the same degree as how they would have impacted at that time frame. And uh yeah, David Fincher is a phenomenal director and I don't know how early into his career this is, but I do know it's relatively early and the fact that it's one of his best films and it's so early in his career. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I think he really hits it out of the park with this. And yeah, I would agree when I was reading about this movie, um, I saw a lot of people saying that many people have just kind of missed the whole other side of this movie and been focused on the fighting aspect of it. And I get it. Like that's what the movie's about. It's what kind of starts everything. And uh, there's very, I really think the fight scenes are great in that movie. I there's a lot of blood and intensity and um it's I think the point that people miss is looking past just the brutal fighting in that movie and seeing the deeper issues with Edward's character and why Tyler's a person is so enticing but is wrong, you know? Yeah, and I feel like that's yeah, exactly. That's where the line sort of gets blurred of the people who root for Tyler and are on this uh, mindset side and the people who acknowledge that this sort of privilege and this toxic masculinity that he has, he's the poster boy for it. And to all these people who unfortunately are, are real and feel this sort of privilege, um, they, they sort of side with him And the movie does not want you to side with him, regardless of if you agree with his anti-consumerism, anti-capitalist mindset, the whole thing narrows down to the fact that he's not, in the right at all yeah and i think um just really quickly one last thing i want to say about the movie is i think that's shown through um bob getting killed i think that's a very impactful moment in the oh movie my god where oh my god i forgot about that we did not bring that up wow yeah yeah i that's what i want to talk about it um was bob gets killed by the police he gets shot in the head and the rest of the people in this group are so blinded by what Tyler has taught them that they're like, whatever, it happens. But Edward's character is like, this was a man. Like, 
the people in Project Mayhem didn't have names. They weren't told what each other's names were. Um, and so Edward Norton's like, this was a man. His name was Robert Paulson. Like, he had a life. And it's gone now because of this dumb, stupid thing you guys did. Um, but these people are so blinded by what Tyler has told them that um, they're like, in life, we don't have names. But in death, his name was Robert Paulson. And they start chanting his name and all this stuff. And so I think that's a moment in the movie where it really points home that what Tyler's doing is wrong, is that this man has now sacrificed his life for literally nothing. There's no gain from what he did except for maybe cause a little mayhem, you know? Caused a little bit of shit and thought that you were fighting for what you believed in, but in reality, you these guys just deserve better. They were these not deserve better in the sense where they feel they're privileged to it, but they deserve better than ending up in this spot where they feel so dissatisfied with where they're at in their life that they feel they need to do this to, to reclaim this masculinity that's been taken from them by society. And it's, yeah, it's a little bit sad, especially when Bob dies, like you just said, and it really highlights that. Yeah. And you see with Edward's character where he like freaks out about it and all that stuff. But I think that's kind of where, um, people miss the mark is they don't see they're just like these other people that are blinded by what Tyler has essentially made and that's where they miss that is like the most pivotal moment I think for that idea um, and so it, it was a very shocking moment for me and I think it was definitely a big pivotal moment where I'm like what's going on just mm-hmm. as Edward is where he's like what's happening like yeah because then he goes searching for Tyler but he's never gonna find him um but yeah, it's a very pivotal moment. Very good movie. Liked it a lot. Ten and out of ten. Yeah, it, I, I think I'm gonna give it a ten out of ten too. I, I, it deserves it. I don't see any reason why I wouldn't be willing to give it that. I actually, you know what? I'm not gonna. I mean, we do rankings on five, so not ten out of ten. I'll give it five a out of four point five out of five. Um, I think that's what I give it to actually. Because I liked it a lot. I did get confused a little bit at the beginning. Um. But I think it was really well done. I only have small problems with it. Like one thing that I didn't even bring up was uh, the weird CGI sex dream, fever dream kind of thing that he has. I don't really yeah. have a problem with it. Just kind of weird. Threw me off a little bit. Um, but I do think it's really good. It's really well done. You know what? I'm, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. I think it deserves it. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. We're sort of all over a place where like, like what's our ranking? We're trying to decide. Like we're tossing it back and forth. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a five out of five too, um, and you could you could sit here for days and talk about this movie and analyze what it's trying to say because there is more. Oh yeah, and we can't touch on everything, especially being two people who just watched this movie, despite the fact that it's been out for twenty years now. So obviously, we don't know the full extent of what you can find when you look into this movie. We can just see the sort of surface level that we've drawn from it in the last few days, but. It's, yeah, it's phenomenal, and there's one little paragraph that I wanted to finish this episode with uh, that I read online, and it says, What Fight Club understands is that the modern male is in an incredibly tenuous place where he becomes disconnected from his own emotions and healthy ways of expressing these emotions. The narrator starts the film not looking for violence but simply for an emotional outlet and in a darkly comic fashion goes to a support group. But what he's really looking for is, the entire time is emotional connection. And while a fight club may offer memorable rules, it offers nothing. It offers neither truth nor understanding, only violence. And 
that pretty much sums up the entire movie is Edward Norton's character is a guy who doesn't realize quite what he's looking for until until the ending. Yeah, he's looking for this connection and he thinks he can find it through Tyler and through this fight club, but in reality, he can't. Like, it's this emotional thing that he needs that Tyler cannot give him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was Fight Club. Uh, very good. Like a lot. Uh, but yeah, do you have anything else to say? No, I think that I think that about wraps it up for me. Uh, if you haven't seen this, just like we haven't, stop sleeping on it the way that we have for so long and go check it out immediately because I feel silly in 2020 being like, yeah, here's two dudes who haven't watched Fight Club. I know that's cliche, but yeah, it's a movie that I've been told to watch for a very long time and I'm surprised it took me so long. Yeah, uh, same here. But I thought I think it's worth the watch and... Even if you have watched it, I think it's great to watch it again and look at it through the lens of not just this Fight Club movie, but how Edward's feeling and all the stuff we've talked about and how seeing that Tyler's not real and how that actually affects his world, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was Fight Club. If you want to check out our other uh, movie podcasts and stuff like that, just find us on Spotify, Apple Music, all your streaming services. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast, and you can follow our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen, and I am at Hayden Kutris. And it's the same thing for our letterbox. If you want to see where we have movie reviews and ratings and lists and all that good stuff, the whole um, shebang. The whole shebang. So yeah, thanks for listening to Fight Club, and we will see you guys next week. Yeah, and always remember. Uh, First rule of Fight Club, don't talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club, don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> but yeah, see you guys yeah. next week. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one.